charging the phone is annoying, but charging the phone is necessary because your phone's important, right? Now, if your phone is running low, just track with me. I know this is all very simple, but if your phone is running low or it is dead, what is the solution to that? Plug it in. Thank you. You just plug the phone in. That's all you do. Now, here's the crazy thing about a phone. You plug it in, let's say your phone's going dead, you plug it in, you go to bed, you wake up, the next morning the battery is full. At that point, you disconnect the phone from the power source, and the phone functions separate of the power source. Right? That's the point, you're like, Tim, this is all very dumb, just stick with me. That's the point of a battery, right? The point of a battery is you charge it, get it charged, disconnect from power source, and then it functions. And when I say it functions, it functions. It does everything you want it to do. You FaceTime, you can text, you can check social media, you can pull up the maps, you can do everything you're supposed to do on the phone because it's able to work separate the power source because it's a battery. Now you're going, Tim, again, this is also dumb. Listen, hear me on this. The reason why I'm going through all of this is to tell you this. I think you and I have a misconception in our head. I think you and I live our spiritual lives as if we were batteries. That's how we live. We live our spiritual lives as if we were batteries. Don't go to that screen, go back. There we go. Okay, there we go. We live as if we were batteries, right? And this is how this works. You're going through life and you feel like, man, I'm kind of worn out. You know, I met a college guy the other day on Sunday. He couldn't come tonight. He told me he couldn't come tonight. And he was like, man, I, I just feel like I need to turn my life around. I was like, dude, I totally understand that sentiment. There's been so many times in my life where I feel like I need to turn my life around. He's like, I need to get back to church. I'm like, yeah, that's but I, I instantly catch kind of the misconception he's having. It's totally fine. It's totally understandable. We all have it. And that is, my life's a mess. I'm running spiritually low in my spiritual batteries. So... I recharge myself. Now, how do I recharge myself? So many of you feel like, man, I'm running low on my spiritual battery. So what you do is you plug in every Tuesday night. You come to the bridge. Boom. You get a little shot. Hour, hour, 10 minutes of Jesus. You listen to Sydney sing. She does a great job. You listen to me speak for too long. And then you go out and you disconnect from the service and you go into the world trying to live your life. That's how we typically do it. But it doesn't work. Does it? It doesn't work. I only know it doesn't work because my experience tells me it doesn't work and because everyone I know's experience tells me it doesn't work. To plug in for one hour, once a week, go, hey, I got my shot of Jesus now, I disconnect and go about my life, does not work. So some of you are like, well, Tim, Tim, please do. I'm so much more spiritual than a once a week person. You're a twice a week person. Hey, twice a week. So you're like, I know I live under the bridge, but I come on Sunday mornings. And I go to life and I listen to you talk about Romans, and I listen to Pastor Bob speak. So twice a week you plug in, you get an hour of Jesus, a couple hours of Jesus, and you go, woo, and you disconnect and go about your life, and it still doesn't work. Some of you are like, no, Sam, I'm the superstar of the bridge if there is such a thing, and you're like, I don't come once a week, I don't come twice a week, I come three times a week. I don't just do the bridge, but I do life groups, and I also go to home groups. Which, by the way, I'm feeling proud about that. Okay, but here, there you go. You're like, I got all three, man. And so, okay, great. So for three times a week, you plug in, get your little shot of Jesus, feel like you charge your batteries, and then you disconnect, and you go out, and you live your life, and yet it doesn't work. There's no noticeable change. There's nothing happening. You always feel like you're missing out on some party that you weren't invited to. That's how you feel. 
Why is that? Now, here's the thing. You're probably assuming in your head, maybe you're not, maybe you're totally zoned out, but you're probably assuming in your head, if you're tracking with me, that what I'm going to tell you is once a week is not enough, and twice a week is not enough, and three times a week is not enough, so that means you need to have a daily quiet time with God. That's where I'm going to go with this message. Like You need to pull out your Bible every morning and have a daily quiet time with God and the importance of having a quiet time, and I'm going to tell you that's exactly not what I want to talk about tonight. In fact, I'm going to say this. It's bigger than that. The bigger misconception you've had is not how many times you plug in. That's not the, that's not the problem. The problem is, is that you're viewing your life as a battery. Now you can put up the screen. You are not a battery. You're not a battery. Batteries are designed to plug in, get a charge, unplug, function. They work. Anything you want them to do, they'll do, as long as they have a charge. You are not a battery. Even, let's just say there is somebody in here who says, Tim, I don't like them once, twice, three times a week, but I also, I read my Bible seven days a week. I have a quiet time seven days a week for 15 minutes a day or 20 minutes a day or 30 minutes a day. Even that, I want to tell you this, is not enough. Why? Because typically what we do is this. Ready? This is typically what we do. I have my Bible out, and I have my little cup of coffee right here. This stage maybe uh, some type of treat. I don't know. A scone. Okay? And you get it set, first of all, for an Instagram pic, and you take an Instagram pic so everyone knows that you're reading your Bible, and you're like, Ecclesiastes, y'all, or whatever. <laughs> and you do that, and here's the deal. What happens is, is you have a quiet time, and really you're usually a checkbox person. And all you're doing is checking the box, and then you shut the Bible, you push it to the side, and you go about your day, but you never think about what you read, and you never consider what you read, and you go through your day, at the end of the day, you go, oh shoot, yeah, I read something about that, but I lived my whole day as if that wasn't true. Because you're viewing yourself as a battery. I plugged in, I got my 30 minutes quiet time, boom, check that box, now I go do my life. It doesn't work that way. Why are you not a battery? Simply plugging in and disconnecting, plugging in and disconnecting. It won't ever work for you. It just won't. The Bible describes your spiritual life totally different. Totally different. And it's Jesus himself who did it. He defines it. I want to look at it tonight. It's John chapter 15. We're going to look at it for the next several weeks. But John 15 is a lot of verses. We're only covering just a very few. Then we're going to cover other ones in future weeks. John 15, 1. Jesus defines your spiritual life, and also, before he defines your spiritual life, he defines who he is. In case you're wondering, here's what he says, John 15, 1, ready? I am the true vine, my Father is the gardener. So he said, before I tell you who you are in this scenario, let me tell you who I am. It's more important than who you are, by the way. <laughs> you're not the star of the show. Jesus says, I am the true vine. Now, I don't know if you remember this. Last semester, I went through a series called Signs. There's seven miracles in the book of John. Seven. John doesn't call them miracles. He calls them signs. Seven signs in John. I don't know if you knew this, but besides the seven signs, there's seven I am statements in the book of John where Jesus says, I am, and then fill in the blank. In fact, I'll just tell them to you. Here they are. I am the vine. We just read that one. I am the light of the world. I'm the bread of life. I am the gate. I am the way, the truth, the life. I am the resurrection and the life, and I am the good shepherd. He lists out seven things that who he is now. Jesus was a brilliant teacher, and what he tended to do was take a very simple concept and then show you how, hey, you already understand this concept, now let me show you what it means spiritually and do it depth. 
So when he says to the people sitting in front of him, I am the true vine, this was an everyday, ordinary object. They understood vines. Why? This is agricultural. They worked the land. They knew the land. Many of them either owned land or worked for people that owned land. They worked around vines. They understood vines. So Jesus says, but listen, if you understand vines and you understand a basic principle about people, let me tell you this. I am the true vine. You go, okay. So what does this have to do with cell phones and batteries and I'm not a battery? Well, here's where you come in. If you look at verse 5, we'll skip and then we'll come back. Ready? Verse 5. I am the vine. You are, this is where you come into the story. Ready? You are the branches. If anyone in this room right now is a Christian, like you're, yeah, I'm, I'm on the team. I, I accepted Christ. You, you got that story, you know who you are, all that. If you're a Christian, then Jesus is to find you. If you're not a Christian, this is not you. But if you're a Christian, this is you. Here's what he says. I'm the vine, you. You guys, right here. You are branches. Okay? Still, we're sitting here going, what does this mean? Well, let's look at verse 4. Back up one verse. Remain in me as I also remain in you. Remain in me, as I also remain in you. Why? I'm the vine, you're the branch. Remain in me. Now, remain, another way to say it, what the title of the series that we're talking through is abide. It's another translation, is abide in me, as I abide in you. What does remain, what does abide mean? Here's what remain, here's what abide means. It's actually very simple. Look at this chair right here, right? For me to remain, abide in the chair, I would simply sit back and relax. Remain, abide means this. Stay connected to Jesus. Ready for this? All the time. You stay connected, sitting back, in his presence all the time. And right now, some of you are getting a glassy-eyed look because you think, I'm making this over-spiritual. I promise I'm going to land in such a practical way, something that you can actually do to help you remain in Christ. But let me establish this first. You stay connected to him all the time. In other words, if you say, well, Jesus, I was going to the Tuesday night at the bridge trying to change my life and nothing ever happened. Or I started going twice a week and nothing ever happened. Or so I, I even tried three times a week, a couple times and nothing ever happened. Jesus, I read my Bible. Jesus would say this, well, of course, of course. Because you kept this idea in your head that you could plug in, get a charge, and then go change your life on your own strength. You just walk away and just go do it. You weren't supposed to do that. Batteries function that way. You're not a battery, you're a branch. Branches remain connected. Batteries don't. They function on their own. Here's what he says in the rest of this verse, verse 4. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch, that would be you. No branch can bear fruit. That would be what you're supposed to do. No branch you can bear fruit what you're designed to do by itself. It must remain mine. Neither can you, the branch, bear fruit what you're designed to do unless you remain in me. Again, go back to the phone. The phone plugs in. It gets power. You unplug it. It's designed to work away from the power source. 
You weren't designed to do that. You're designed to bear fruit. And the way you bear fruit as a branch is to remain connected to the power source, which would be the vine. See where I'm going with this? Now, hear me on this. Some of you maybe didn't grow up in church. Some of you did, and so you already know this, but for the sake of the people that didn't grow grow up going to church, you might be saying, okay, so I'm a branch. It's kind of weird, but I'm a branch. I'm designed to bear fruit. What does that mean, bear fruit? What does that actually look like to bear fruit? It's everything you've ever wanted. Bearing fruit is everything you've been looking for. Can I tell you this? Everything your heart desires, the way you want your life to be is bearing fruit. How do I know it? Because it's already defined. Galatians chapter 5, verse 22, Paul kind of fills in the gap of knowledge that we have. Here's what he says. We'll start with the very beginning. Here's what he says. But the fruit, what the Spirit does in your life, what it produces in your life, the fruit of the Spirit is, let's just stop with the first one. Some of you already know there's nine of them, but let's just stop with the first one. We're not going to go through all nine slowly, but we're going to go through the first couple. The fruit of the Spirit is love. What should be produced out of your life is love. That as you remain connected to the body, love is pouring out of your life. Let me tell you why that's important. We live in a hateful world. I don't know, and this is where I sound like an old guy, I don't know that I've ever seen the world so full of hate. I'm about, what, 14, 15, 16 years older than some of you. So I have a little experience of what it used to be like, and I'm telling you, it's different. The climate is different. I don't know how to explain it other than it's different. I've never seen the world so full of hate. Politically, it's hateful. Racially, it's hateful. In every other way, it's hateful. The world is swirling around. It's so interesting that the world, most of whom don't know Christ, are swirling around the drain of judgment and tearing people down to the point that if you're 17 years old and you write a tweet, 10 years later when you're 27 years old and you become an important person at your company, somebody gives up a tweet from 10 years ago when you're 17 and you lose everything in your careers and channels. Now, Let's just stop and pause for a second and go, can't somebody change from 17 to 27? You know how many stupid things I said when I was 17 years old? Praise God there wasn't Twitter when I was 17 years old. I wouldn't be working here. Okay, I said so many stupid things. I've changed. Why is it the world now obsesses about somebody's past and says, oh, I see where you were in the past. That means that's exactly who you are right now. When did we not allow people to evolve and change? You see how cruel it is? It's just mean. It's nasty. Let's crucify everyone who's ever made a mistake. The world is full of hate. It is not supposed to be that way with a Christian. Listen, there's a lot of Christians that live life full of hate. One of two conclusions, either they're not walking with Christ or they're not Christians. Because if you remain connected to the vine, love pours out of your life, you're a loving person. The world desperately needs it right now. And by the way, your life would be a lot better if you had an abundance of love right now, would it not? 
The fruit of the Spirit is love. Now, I don't know if you know this, but there's nine fruit of the Spirit, and I don't know if you know, but this nine fruit of the Spirit was written in such a way for you to understand that one builds into the next. So once you get love, you get the next one. Ready? Here it is. Fruit of the Spirit is love and then joy. See, once you experience true love through Christ and you understand that you're accepted, you no longer have to perform, love starts pouring out of you. When love starts pouring out of you, guess what? You automatically get joy. Now you say, what is joy? Well, let me tell you what it is. Joy is not happiness. It's not happiness. Happiness is about chance and it's about luck. This whole idea of the pursuit of happiness, let me tell you, the pursuit of happiness is a fool's errand. You're never going to find it. I don't care how much money or how much whatever, you're not going to find happiness. Happiness works this way. If this happens today, I'm happy. If it doesn't happen, I'm not happy. You're never going to have a truly, just perfectly happy life. So why don't you throw out that mirage and live in the real world with the rest of us? But you can have joy. Now, what's joy? Joy is different than happiness. Joy, it says, it is a deep abiding sense. Ready for this? A deep abiding sense that everything is going to be okay, even when everything is going wrong. Everything's going wrong or everything's going right. Doesn't matter. I have this deep, central, abiding sense. It's okay. Now, you anxious people. Wouldn't that be better than the way you're living? Wouldn't that be just a little bit better? Through the Spirit is love and it is joy. Once you have joy, guess what that leads to? Well, it leads to this one, peace. See, once you have joy, everything's okay. Guess what? You're at total peace. Why are you at total peace? Well, number one, you know, I have peace with God. That's the first thing you know. Number two, because Christ has so given you his love and joy, now you have peace of mind and peace of heart. And not just that, but because you're peaceful in your mind and peaceful in your heart, you have peace with everyone around you. It's peaceful. You don't go around starting fires and waging wars. You go around as a peacemaker. Again, I know a lot of Christians who walk around starting fires and waging wars. They're either not Christian or they're not walking with Christ. Because that's a fruit of the Spirit. Now, once you have peace, what does that build into? We'll build into the next one. Ready? Here it is. Patience. See, if I'm totally at peace, now I can deal with you in your craziness. Connor fits in there. I can deal with his craziness because he has no craziness. That's the thing. He had to deal with his craziness. Why? Because, I'm, hey, I'm centered. I'm okay. It's good. I'm all right. Love, joy, peace, patience. And then that always leads to what? Kindness. If we can get up there, kindness, goodness, kindness always leads to goodness, goodness to faithfulness, faithfulness to gentleness, and gentleness to self-control. They all build on one another. Now, let me tell you something. Wouldn't your life be better if that was in it? Wouldn't your life be better if that was in it? Can I tell you something crazy? You're supposed, what Jesus just said, you were designed to bear fruit. You say, what's fruit? That. That's what you were designed to bear. If you're not bearing that, it's probably because you are disconnected. Because you probably thought of yourself as a battery. You're designed to bear that. In fact, listen, some of you will go, no, 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 you're going way too far. I promise it's true. Your life is to be lived in such a way that we could take an eraser up there and take out but, and then the, and then fruit of the spirit, and just leave is hanging out there. And we could put your name in place of those words. So Connor is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. 
Kindly is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Now listen, some of you are going, I it might be a stretch, but hear me on this. These would be so evident in your life, these characteristics, that someone would say, no, seriously, it is so evident and so thick in their life. I mean, I'm telling you, when you walk past an apple tree and it has apples hanging, you see the fruit, you already know it's an apple tree, right? When the fruit is hanging from your life, people just say, this is who you are. You are a person of love, of joy, of peace, of patience, of kindness, of goodness, of faithfulness, of gentleness, of control. Jesus said, you will know them by their fruit. You'll actually know a tree, and you already do this, by the fruit it bears. You don't have to be a botanist to know an apple tree is an apple, when apples are hanging from it. It doesn't take a genius to figure this out. Look, that's what you're supposed to bear. But so many of us are not bearing that, not even close, right? Not even close, me included. I could dissect that list and tell you where I struggle. Listen. The reason is, is because you've misunderstood what you are and what Christ is, and you've started disconnecting, thinking that you're a battery rather than a branch, but you are a branch. Here's what Jesus, actually, you know what, let me pause here and say this. I I think, I think that um, many people in the church, including First Baptist Church, I know, about to go on a... I don't branch, but uh, I think many people, even in our church, live life like this. I don't know if you can see what I'm holding. It is a pencil. I think many Christians are basically just pencils. You know, what does that mean? Here's what it means. A pencil, number one, can look good on the outside. Right? In, in terms of, I mean, y'all like, I've never said that pencil looks good. Okay, hold on. Right? <laughs> But in terms of like, it's not bitten, there's no nasty, you know what I'm saying? Like somebody hands you a pen out of their mouth and you're like disgusting. All right, so this one's good, good paint jobs, sharp, it's ready to go. Looks good on the outside. Many Christians look good on the outside. Oh, you can disguise it. You can be a total rotten mess on the inside, but man, you can make us all think you're doing really good. Many Christians live life as a pencil. But beyond that, this pencil can accomplish tasks. I can give you this pencil. You can take this pencil and go back to school if you're in school, and you can take a test with it, and you can get an A on that test. It can accomplish a task. Many Christians live life with a pencil. In other words, they look good on the outside. They also accomplish a lot. There's a lot of people in our church who accomplish a whole heck of a lot. They look good on the outside, and they accomplish a lot. Not just that. Pencils can even do religious and spiritual activities. You go, wait, how can a pencil do religious and spiritual activity? Well, I know this is a stretch, but hear me out. If you take your Bible right now and open it up, and I give you this pencil, you can do the very spiritual activity of underlining your Bible. Oh, right? Or you can really make me feel like a rock star, and you can open up your journal, and with this pencil, you can take sermon notes, right? That's a religious and spiritual activity. You can write somebody an encouraging card, write out a prayer, do a number of things. Listen, Christians live life like a pencil in the sense that, yeah, they look good on the outside. They accomplish a whole lot. And they even do religious activities. But this pencil, I don't know what tree it was cut out, what type of tree, but this pencil cannot produce an apple. If it came out of an apple tree, it did. It couldn't produce any fruit. Could it? It's simple. It couldn't produce any fruit. Why could it not produce any fruit? It's been disconnected. It can look good. It can be, you know, serve a sense of accomplishment, do certain things. You can even do religious stuff, but it can't produce any fruit. 
I think a whole lot of people at the bridge, I think a whole lot of people in our church, and I think that in large chunks of my life, I have been a glorified dead branch. I think I've been on stage in front of thousands of people preaching, and I've been a walking, talking, glorified, dead branch. I looked good on the outside. I accomplished my task. I looked like I was doing a super religious activity of preaching to people, but inside I was totally dead and could not produce any fruit. Why? Because I was totally, absolutely, 100% disconnected from the source. Jesus says this, in John 15, 5. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will, this is the first guarantee of the verse, ready? You will bear fruit. If you remain connected, you will bear fruit. Second guarantee of the passage, it's an unusual passage in that he gives you two guarantees in one sentence, ready? If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, number two, you can do nothing. Let's put it this way. When you say nothing, here's what it means. Nothing about it. You can do a whole lot of something, but your life will amount to nothing about it, at least eternally. Why? Because apart from me, you can't do nothing. You're not battery. You're a branch. Now here's, if you're tracking with me at all, here's where we are. We could end here and I could say, let me pray for us and I could pray, but that would create a sermon scenario, which I hate, which is I make some big, overtly, over-the-top religious thing of just, so just remain in Christ. And you would go, okay, well, that sounds really good. And then you exit the door and you go, I don't know how to remain in Christ. So how do I remain? I think that question should be asked. How do I remain? How do I actually do this? And I want to call you to one, simply one action point, and I'm asking you to do this. I'm asking all of you who would even consider doing it to try it for seven days to the next bridge. I want you to do it. The only thing you have to do tonight is to pick up a rubber band. All of them are sitting at that little table right there. You need the rubber band only so far as you need a reminder that you need to do this for seven days. So put it on your wrist and look at it for seven days. Try this. If you mess up, forgive yourself and move forward. Quit trying to be perfect. We're looking for progress. That's all it is. Here's what I want you to do. Seven days. I want you to check in with God throughout the day. That's it. Check in with God. There's some natural times when you do this. Breakfast, lunch, dinner. Check in with God. Pray. Pray before you eat. Just pray. Thank you, God. Hey, between now and dinner, help me follow you. Amen. I'm talking simple. I don't need two hour long theological prayers. I want food's looking at me. Right? If you try to do a two-hour theological prayer and I'm sitting with you, I'm like, hey, shut up. Amen. Amen. No, and you're like, hmm, he's saying amen to keep you going. I'm like, no, I'm saying amen. Amen because I want to eat, right? I don't need this big long prayer. Simple, simple, simple. Okay, now hear me. You go, okay, well, that's easy. Maybe. But he goes a bit further. Throughout the day. Throughout the day. Check it. Now let's back up and say this. How do I remain? Yes, you should come to Tuesday nights. You should. But let me just give you a, let me, in fact, you want me to revolutionize how worship works for you? Before we start this service, break away from people and pray to God. Pray before we worship. God, would you speak to me? I'm all ears. I'm listening. Amen. Move into the worship service. I guarantee you, you'll start getting more out of worship service if you pray. Quit letting people pray for you. Quit letting Sydney or Alex or me pray for you. You pray for yourself before you come in this room and watch what God's doing in your life. 
So yes, come on Tuesday nights. Yes, you should come on Sunday mornings. I'm so tired of seeing a big group and then a small group on Sunday. Get your butt up and come to church on Sunday mornings. You need to go deeper. We can't get you as deep as you need to go here. So come on Sunday mornings. We're going to the book of Romans. You should come. So yes, you were made by coming on Sundays. Yes, you should get in home groups. Your life changes in circles, not rows. So yes, you should get in those home groups. You say, well, there's only four weeks left. Well, guess what? They're meeting for all four weeks. Sucker, come on. You know, let's do this. So here's the deal. Yes, you do all of those things. But you also, yes, you also do quiet time. You read it every morning if you can. But you also, ready? Check in. Here's what I want you to do. When you are going throughout your day and you feel any strong emotion, I want your first reaction, maybe you see the rubber band, I want your first reaction before you do anything else, before you respond to anything else, to say a quick two-second prayer to God. Let me give you some examples. If you're stressed, I don't know if you're all like me, when I get stressed, my chest gets tight, my neck gets hot, and I start feeling And I start feeling that I need to stop. God, I'm stressed because of ABC. Would you help me? When you're angry, I'm really angry, God, calm me. Help me to forgive. When you're hurt, help me to forgive. Help me to let this go. Help me to forgive as you forgave Colossians 3. When you're um, fearful, man, fear grips your heart about whatever's coming to God. Just help me to see the truth. You're going to get you through it no matter what. Help me. Any strong emotion you check in. Some of you go, hey, listen, man, I, that sounds weird. I don't know if I can check in throughout the day with God. Bull. You already do it. You just do it to the wrong people. I'm going to give you two illustrations of how you already do what I'm telling you to do. One's going to hit one half of the room, and the other will take care of the other half of the room. The first one is about what ladies have a tendency to do, although some men in the room could possibly do this too. But some of you ladies have friends or sisters or moms that when you experience anything in this life, you go, oh my God. And you start checking in with your friend. Like, let me tell you what happened. Hey, mom, I need to talk to you about what happened. Hey, friend, I need to talk to you. Hey, sister, I need to talk to you about And you do it. You check in with someone all the time. You're checking in. I'm telling you, quit directing your first attention to them. And first, go to God and say, God, here's where I'm at. Here's what's going on. Here's what I need help with. Quick, simple. Then direct your attention elsewhere. Check in with God. Guys, you're like, well, I don't do that. Okay, here's what you all, 100% of the crowd does. Anytime your brain is not occupied in your life, I guarantee you I know what you're doing. If you're sitting in class, but your brain's unoccupied, or you're sitting in your room, your brain's unoccupied, or you're sitting wherever you're sitting, or at the bridge, when your brain's unoccupied, when you're bored, what do you do? You pick up what? Your phone. And what do you do? You check in with something. You check in with something. You get on some type of social media, something to numb that I'm bored and I don't know what to do and I feel weird about being bored so I need something to occupy my mind. And you check in. Listen, you're just checking in to stuff that won't actually help you. But you do it throughout the day. You check in with stuff all the time. I'm telling you, first thought, first attention is simply to say, God, I am experiencing A, B, C, D, whatever it is, and it is because of A, B, C, D, whatever it is, and I need blah, 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 blah. And when you close the night, you do it again. I promise you, you do this for seven days, and then you continue the process. You'll realize, first of all, how easy it is to do this. Second of all, 
you realize it's beneficial. And third of all, if you go beyond these seven days, what you will realize is God is ultimately starting to bear fruit in your life. Why is he starting to bear fruit in your life? Go back one slide for me. Here's why. It's because he says, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me, I am me. I am you. You will bear much fruit. It will happen. Quit trying to force it and realize who you are. First Peter chapter five puts exactly what I said this way. Ready? This is the challenge. Humble yourselves. In other words, this takes humility every day to check in with God multiple times a day. Why does it take humility? Because it's you admitting that you don't have it. I can't fix this situation. I need your help. It is humbling to ask God for your help because you live your life as if you're good to go. And so do I. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up. You just sit there and he lifts you up. Cast all your anxiety, anything you're feeling, on him. Why? Because he cares for you. Here's what Jesus said. Verse 5 of John 15. If you remain in me, and I in you, you will bear much fruit. My challenge, try to not disconnect every so often in the day. Check in. Watch what happens. If you need a reminder, grab a rubber band and write up the note for your voice.